2: My name is Andrew Counsel. I view the world through the lens of a generational camera phone. I wake up as a black male and go to bed as a black male. I am surviving this never-ending court case we commonly call life in the best way I know how.
0: All right, welcome everybody. Uh, this is our first podcast for the year, uh, 2022. Thank you. We haven't had one, obviously, since last year. So uh, we, we are going to be doing it's not, maybe not as many as we've been doing. Um, this year, but we met some interesting folks between the last time that we saw or, or did the podcast. So we're, we're ready to get back going. And hopefully for those of you that are joining us for the first time, uh, my name is and 50 and UN50 is an organization that teaches primarily Black and brown folks how to safely interact with law enforcement. And have been doing this since 2015, and we operate out of the Bull City, Durham, North Carolina. Uh, I have my two co-hosts, I'm going to give them a chance to say hey. I haven't I've seen them since then, but we just, again, this is the first time we've been back together on the podcast. So, Andrew, want to say hey, and how's, how's it been going for you since the last time we had podcasts?
2: It's going well, it's good to be back. I miss being here soon, the podcast family, everything is going well. Still adulting as I am an adult now, and that's it. <laughs> I'm
0: glad you, you're doing okay, adulting. What
1: about you, Harmony? How you be? Every time you ask me this, I get so frustrated because I'm like, why do I not know an answer to this question? Um, I'm doing pretty good, though. I'm hungry, which was the first mistake. I know mm-hmm. the first mistake was that I showed up hungry. But otherwise, I'm good. i um, thinking about what I'm going to eat for dinner. I don't know yet, but it's got to be good.
0: You're always hungry. You're always hungry. You're not wrong. I know, I know, I'm not. so glad you guys are joining us. Glad you're here with us, and I'm, I'm looking forward to this. So, our guest tonight is Sergeant Isaiah Ruffin uh, from Clayton Police Department. I met him several months ago in Clayton at a, an event that was put on by one of the Divine Nine of Delta Sigma Theta, and he helped me with the presentation. And it was just, it was just something about his energy. And we've talked since then. Uh, he's uh, he was very he helped me doing the presentation again and I think sometimes it's good to have someone there who's still in law enforcement and make kind of push me to go oh maybe I shouldn't forget that was the popo and yeah I need to think of it in a particular way so he kind of helped that and we've talked since then and what I'm hoping that he and I are going to be doing some work together in the future. But the main reason, one of the reasons I wanted to bring him on is because he is currently law enforcement. He is currently working and still in the mix doing street working in his community and and, and getting it done. I want to want him to talk about, first thing I want him to talk about, I want him to tell the story about how he became a police officer. (laughs) because that, that to me is just uh it's a really good story and i think people need to know that because a lot of people think you grow up wanting to be the popo and he nor i uh i believe if i remember the story correctly that's not exactly anything that we i know that's not what i want to do i just needed a check, and so that's why i became the popo. and so the story is really good and then the other thing that we're going to talk about is because he is in a leadership role um also just just talking about what he's seeing, what he's feeling in this moment, being a black male uh, and him interacting with law enforcement. And also the fact that he is going to be a leader for this moment as we move forward to start discussing police reform. He he is going to be part of that change that people are, are asking about because he, he knows he's committed to do the job and committed to do the job correctly. So that's kind of where, where we're gonna be talking about because I wanna also pay attention as I do some more work with the podcast this year is to let folks know the leadership folks in law enforcement, they're already in the building. They may not be in certain particular places but they're coming up through the ranks uh, with all due respect to some of the elders who are still in place who may have a little bit of difficulty making that change, that there is still hope. I have faith in the Gen Zs and the Gen X and, and the millennials that are currently there working, that there's hope for this law enforcement. They're in the building, and they know what we need to do. So, Sergeant Ruffin, thank you very much for joining us. Uh, and I also, thank want you to, Yeah, no, I'm glad you said yes. Yeah. So, uh, first of all, just let's talk about, you know, your, your journey to become the Popo, and uh, <laughs> how long you've actually been with Clayton PD. But I, I really do want you to talk about your journey uh, as you began to join the law enforcement. Thanks again for coming.
3: Not a problem. So uh, I guess i start by saying that I've been with Clayton 16, going on 17 years, starting year number 17, uh, total time in law enforcement uh, 20 going into year 21 uh started off my law enforcement career at crabtree valley mall a lot of people didn't know that crabtree valley mall had a police department but they in fact did uh left from there and moved to selma worked in selma for five years and then left from selma and then come up here to clayton uh as you said i wasn't i wasn't one of the ones that grew up wanting to become law enforcement like law enforcement was furthest from my mind grew up in new york city uh I've been accosted a couple of times by NYPD, uh, yet still I never became disrespectful when the accosting happened. I stayed uh, in place and in my lane as my parents told me to do, uh, and I was able to make it home. Uh, We didn't file any complaints because NYPD was just NYPD at the time. uh, That's just how it was. So... Once I graduated high school, uh, my father had retired from UPS because that's where he worked at, and him and my mother are originally from North Carolina, so they moved back down here. I come down here, was just going to hang out for a little while, and then was going to go back home, ultimately decide what I was going to do. Uh, the route that I wanted to take, or that I had in my brain anyway, uh, was either a full-time musician because I played drums, but uh grew up playing drums in the church. Uh, Culinary school. I heard
0: culinary school. What happened after
3: that? Go ahead. Uh, Marine Corps. Okay. So those are my three options that I had in my head. (laughs) Uh, I've always had a job since I was 14 years old. So once I moved on here, uh, started working at Taco Bell with my uh, sister's ex-husband. Worked there for approximately six months, but I knew that wasn't the end all be all because it was, Fast food, walking around the mall one day and saw that they had security, unbeknownst to me, they had police. Uh, I applied for the job, got hired on as security, uh, worked security for a while, got good at my job, got good at what I was doing, still never had any thought process about being a police officer, although they had police there. Right. Uh, Get called into the office one day by the chief and the major. Of course, at that time, I thought I did something wrong because you get called in by the brasses. You know, yeah. you start going through yeah. the mental process of, hey, what did I do it. wrong? Yeah. It ain't never yeah. <laughs> so I, I sit down, and the chief looks at me and says, hey, have you ever thought about law enforcement before? And I look at him like, no, no, sir. He said, well, why not? I said, I just haven't. I, that wasn't, it hasn't been in my thought process. He's like, well, I think you would be, a very fine cop uh and we want to sponsor you and send you through and pay you salary uh as you go through the academy so we've never done this before so of course we are making you the first and foremost i was like ah he's like well think about it talk about it with your folks i was still a young man so i lived at home i went home that evening talked to my mother and my father my mother was ecstatic she was head over heels, do it, do it, do it, do it, do it. I was like, ma, I don't know. She's like, you'd be good at it, just do it. My father, on the other hand, he was supportive, but he was just like, you know, as long as you're doing something productive and you're not on the opposite side of the law, then I really don't care what you do. Just as long as you work and you, you make a career, make a living. Right. So I thought about it, thought about it, thought about it, and I was like, you know what? I'll do it. So... Off to the academy, I go. Go through the academy, get there to the end, uh, finish the academy with a 90 GPA. Come down to the state exam, fail the state exam by one question. I was crushed, but of course, you have a chance to do a retake. So, probably about a month, month and a half later, I take the makeup exam. Same thing again, failed by one question. So at that point, I was done. It's like, I'm finished. I'm not going to do this anymore. I'll just go to the Marine Corps and and that'll be that. So I tell my chief this and my chief is like, that's not going to happen. You're going back through the academy. I'm like, how are you going to dictate for me what I'm going to do with my life? And he looks at me and looks me dead in my eyes and says, you don't see this, but I see this. This is what God has designed for your life. This is where you are supposed to be. You are going to touch a lot of people. And as a matter of fact, I have already signed you back up for the academy. And if you turn in your two week notice, I'm just going to tear it up like I never got it. And you're just going to go back through. So I looked at him again. And I'm just like, why? He says, don't argue. Then I said, you know what? I grew up in church. I'm not going to argue. I'll go back through. So I go back through third time, come to state exam, take the state exam. I pass. And after passing 20, 21 years later, here I am. Here you are. I love this. Here I am.
0: I love the story. The universe knew where you were supposed to be. So, just to, just to go back just a second though. So, when you said that, um, you, you said that you would you you got you were doing good at the job. What what were they talking about? I mean, what what was it they they saw in you when he said you were doing a good job? What what was it that was like okay? you, uh, you were the one. What was it? What were they talking about?
3: So, not so much of the the physical stuff. I won't harp on that. But it was the the mental aspect of it. Uh, Knowing how to talk to people, knowing when to talk to people, knowing when not to talk to people, uh, knowing the right decisions to make, Mm -hmm. uh, making decisions. I was ultimately once I got down deep in the job, I was making decisions as a police officer, even though I wasn't a police officer. Mm -hmm. Uh, So there were times where they would be. Backed up or stacked on calls, as as we call it, uh, and they would send me over to whatever store um called for police assistance and i would go and talk to loss prevention or talk to a store and see if there was enough probable cause for an officer to even come in and take a report or make an arrest. and if there was i would establish it and call the police officer say, hey this is what they got this is what they're looking at this is what the person's done and then they'd make the decision and be like all right well we're going to come over okay. So those were the things I got good at. And just based off of that, that's when uh, they approached me and decided to to extend the offer to. Mm-hmm.
0: That, uh, thank you for saying that, because I, I think what I want, pe- hopefully people hear that it, it's about the fact that you know how to talk to people. You know, what I'm saying I mean, it has nothing to do yeah. with using using force, enforcing the law. Yeah. It is you know how to interact with folks and and people. You know, in this moment, it's always about you know somebody using excessive force. You know, people are dying and all that. But really, law enforcement is more about the interaction and interacting with folks and 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 getting it done that way. Before we thank That's you correct. for 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 um. You know, going back through I just love the story because it's about the universe and and he saw something in you and I think that's cool. Have you guys got anything for him before I start moving on as to how he's living and
1: working in this moment? I don't no, Oh, go ahead, Andrew. Go ahead.
2: You sure thank you. Um uh, I was gonna say I don't have anything um specifically. I think most of my questions are kind of tailored to the work that he does now. Um and it was good to hear the background though, because it kind of gave me the preface to understand um where you where you started at to be able to better understand where you are now.
1: I was gonna say I could definitely hear that you're from up top. That was my <laughs> <laughs> I was like, "Oh, it makes so much more sense." Because when you hear people live in Clayton, I'm like, "He's got to be from Clayton." Like nobody just like, moves to Clayton. But more than it's like, okay, this whole story makes a lot more sense now.
3: Yeah. Thank
1: you. Norm. Can you say it? Just say it one time. Up top. Up top. So good
3: enough for you, harmony.
1: That was perfect. That was perfect.
3: (laughs) Good deal. Good deal.
0: Yeah. So let's just talk about yeah. Let's let's just talk about how you're feeling as a black man in uniform. You know how people receiving you in this moment. How how do you feel putting that uniform going on in this this moment? And and what are you trying to do to make sure that they see you and not just see your uniform.
3: Even though times are hard that we live in now, especially uh, based off of the things that are happening uh, in the public, in the public side, uh, the way they view law enforcement in a whole, I still take pride, uh, great pride, in getting up every day and putting a uniform on and doing the job. Um, People like me are a necessity. And what I mean by people like me is people who take the time to sit and listen, and who are willing to talk, and willing to have the hard conversations so that everybody's understood. If these conversations are not had, uh, nobody comes away with understanding. Uh, nobody's able to see the other person's point of view. Uh, we have a, a point of view just like the general public has a point of view. And everybody's a point of view needs to be understood uh, so that we can all come to one common ground and get things going on the right foot. I will say this, uh, being in uniform and as a black man, uh, I struggle on both sides per se. Uh, I understand the plight of the people, and sometimes it's not just black people, it's Spanish people, it's white people, it's Asian people. Uh, Like I said earlier, I was stopped a couple of times in New York city and I was absolutely done wrong. I mean, snatched out the car at gunpoint and illegally searched. Mm -hmm. I've been down that path. So I know how it feels. So I in turn will never, ever do that to anybody that I come across and anybody that I work with or that works for me is not going to do that to anybody Mm -hmm. because it's just not right. Mm -hmm. Uh, I will say I get sometimes more backlash from my own people yep. uh, than I do from others because I am looked at as their enemy. Yes. When I should be looked at as an ally. But I just, I, I look at it as it's something that I have to work through. And it's a challenge for me to be able to, uh, to overcome these things and help people understand. And then once people have a clear understanding, then, things go a lot smoother.
1: Yeah. I How would know you it. say, or I guess what would you say is one of the most important things that you or I guess, what is, what is a piece of advice that you would give other officers that are trying to navigate this really tough space and may not be as seasoned as you are?
3: To listen to comprehend instead of listening to respond. Because if you don't have comprehension when you're listening, then you're not going to be able to gather the information there. So, you know, it all reverts back to something as simple as doing active listening. Listen to what the person says, regurgitate back to them what the person said or what you think they said so that you can get understanding of what they said. And then based off of that, you can give a clear response or a clear answer.
1: In therapy, we call that parroting, um, where you essentially are repeating back to the person essentially what they said so it's interesting uh-huh. to see i don't know or i guess like interesting to be reminded of the fact that like not all all officers are just incredibly dense and don't have any people skills so yeah thanks.
3: you're welcome there more times than not there are a lot more officers than people think that have people skills uh and want to listen and want to understand but <laughs> there are those few And I'm going to be completely honest that that just they don't have it.
1: Yeah. And it's also hard to be receptive to that when like to be receptive to even listening when people are automatically on the defense. Um, When we think about just human behavior in general, we're going to be a lot more likely to listen and to actively listen when somebody comes to us like they have some sense of, of mind and can communicate and navigate and control their emotions versus when somebody comes at you At the defense, I mean, it almost kind of, I don't know, intrinsically makes you want to be defensive. How would you say that you handle that, especially dealing with black and brown folks from your own community that are giving you these types of responses?
3: Again, just try to communicate. Sometimes you have to be more patient than others. Uh, There are going to be times where you just absolutely can't get through. And at that point, it, it is what it is. Sometimes people are going to believe what they want to believe, and there's nothing you can say or do about it. But at least you can leave that incident and say, "Hey, I tried my best to make them understand or come to a common ground, uh, and try to communicate better."
1: I think that you hit. A Sometimes
3: really- it's hard, very hard. Go ahead. Go ahead.
1: It's lagging. I apologize. You go ahead.
3: I was saying sometimes it's hard uh, being that I am human and there are times that I do get frustrated, but I have to realize the bigger picture and check myself uh, and then move on.
1: I think that you hit on a really important uh, point where you said accepting that it is what it is. Um, As a control freak myself, and I think just like as a person that, I would say that I'm a good communicator. So when I'm not able to get people to understand where I'm coming from, even if they don't agree, sometimes that can be really frustrating. Um, And so that's something that I'm learning in my own personal life is just letting, like letting things land where they may, but knowing that you did your own individual best. And that's really the only thing that you can be responsible for in the interaction.
3: Right.
0: Andrew, you got anything?
2: yeah my question was specifically asking about um I don't see enough people who look like you sitting in the same uniform as you um and I think that's important to have that representation of those specifically working in the communities that you do work in um and I wanted to know i guess visually are you able to see um specifically in Clayton in the Clayton police department people who look like you or black men black men sitting in your um in your same seat
3: uh Honestly, yes, I am. I am. We have uh, more black officers now than I think we've ever had. Uh, there's another young male that's uh, recently been promoted. So there's another black face that's uh, in a management position. Uh, so things are looking up. Um, I was... Before I got promoted, I was uh canine handler. So I went from... Actually went from Clayton's first black narcotics agent to Clayton's first black canine handler. uh, And then I got promoted out of the unit. So uh, there are changes that's being made. Uh, There are strides that's being made. We just have to have to keep plugging away regardless of how slow it is. Uh, we're, We're still here and, you know, we're not going anywhere.
0: Uh Sarge, you don't see some of the text that Harmony put in. It's was like, that's not a good promotion if you lost your dog. Yeah, name. it's not a good
1: promotion if you lost the <laughs> dog. Not a good promotion. <laughs> well, I didn't I didn't I didn't
3: I didn't lose the dog. I could I could have chose to, to stay with the dog, but I wouldn't have been able to be promoted. And uh at the point that I stood in my career, it was time for me to uh start teaching uh and helping some of the young officers out instead of um being the knuckle drag as I would say uh out there doing the work and that way you can teach teach things to be done the right way instead of the wrong way
1: I still like I I feel like they should have let you keep the dog and move up I mean especially as the first canine officer and the dogs they stay with you right like that's your partner at home that's your partner everywhere oh my goodness yes
3: Yeah. yeah His name was his name was Eli. He was yeah. uh, a hard headed dog, but he was my dog. Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah,
3: cool. So um, I, I had a, I had a blast uh, doing doing canine work. I would say it was canine work is the hardest, most rewarding work in police work.
0: Wow! Wow! Um, Harmon, you, I like this question you have, and I, and I think Sarge has probably hit on some of it. You know, what would you say are your top goals? You think would be essential to being to mend the relationship between law enforcement and the community? I think you've kind of hit on some of that, and that's just I would really loved your uh, "listen to comprehend" instead of I can't remember what you said last, but I think that's probably going to be our quote for the show. <laughs>
3: um, yeah, listen to, to, to comprehend instead of listening to respond.
0: Instead of listening to respond, thank you. Yeah. Um, so I, I think. Your leadership and your personality and your style, that's that can mend the relationship that that just that statement alone is huge, I think. And um, I mean, you get anything else about that, because you're you're setting the standard for your officers to see how it should be done.
3: That's correct. Uh, I, I like to be I like to refer it as being the change that I want to see. Uh, If I can't be that change, uh, then other officers are not going to follow suit. Uh, If I can't be that change, then the community is not going to want to follow suit. Uh, It takes all of us working together uh, to get the same common goal across. And that's inside uniform and outside of uniform. And,
0: you know, my hat's off to you too, Sarge. Now, I kind of had a real shock the other day when a friend of mine, she's still, she's retired, but she still works um, part-time doing recruitment. I had no idea that you can become a police officer at the age of 19, as long as you're 20, 30 days after you leave the academy. Um, That's correct. That that is just mind boggling um, that 20 year olds have been given this kind of power. And Mm -hmm. uh, with the knowledge that we know doing for neuroscience that we're not even <laughs> developed until not,
3: nowhere nowhere close to being prepared to to do all. this job I yeah
1: yeah at all. i personally
3: i personally don't think that the age should be that low because like you said uh we're not there mentally yet uh but i guess it takes people like mm-hmm. you and i of uh, people that are are veterans to kind of take these younger people up under their wings and show them how to do the job right and uh, to ultimately become effective.
0: Yeah, you know, I'm out of the system, you know, so I don't. It, it actually rests with you uh, because you're you're a veteran and, and figuring out. I think police reform. When I, to, you know, as I'm learning, trying to figure out what my next move as far as law enforcement is concerned, how you and I can fit into that is like like Durham, uh, and I can only speak based on what she was telling me, you got two-year, three-year FTOs training folks, you know, and yeah. what's that? about you? Huh? A field okay. training officer. I'm sorry, field training officer. You're training right. another officer. When that person gets out of an academy, they go to a field training officer. And basically, you know, the average age now is is less than 25, and the experience is probably less than five years. So, So actually the conversation needs to figure out how do we really prepare them to come out into this community. We're gonna to have to do a better job of it's almost like SARS. we gotta we gotta figure out how do we teach them what the veterans taught us while they're in B L E T. You know, we That's we got to have those kind of conversations that yeah, you might roll up on the scene by yourself, but uh you don't go in until somebody comes back. You know, there's no superhero. Right. You know, and all this kind of stuff. So <laughs> you you, you know, you're in there and you're a veteran, you can do that, but it's on the ground it's just getting younger and
3: younger, and that can be a little scary. It is a little scary because we have these, like you said, the the Generation Zs coming in and a lot of these kids, uh, you know, not to sound bad or sound crazy, but a lot of them don't have the life experience uh, as some of the older people growing up uh, where you were, you know, kicked out of the house at a certain point where your parents were like, go outside and play. You know, and you learn things while you're outside, you learn things while you're running up and down the block or in different environments and in different situations and not necessarily saying anything bad. But you have the kids coming up now who are sitting in front of computers and sitting in front of video games and they just they don't know certain things and certain aspects of life. So it's it's almost like. Being a field training officer, it's double job because you have to. Teach them how to be an officer and how to be, do police work and how to be professional and how to be polite, mm-hmm. but then also trying to touch on some life experience through conversation. Mm-hmm. So it's it's almost like a, a double job, it, so to speak.
0: Yeah, and that, and that's the thing that's the training that, that you talked about before. It's it's how to how to listen and comprehend. I mean, you're talking individuals who spend most of the time looking at their phones, and so that. Personal interaction that you've got to be—you got to exercise empathy. And if you've only looked at a computer or a cell phone for most of, you know, at 18 and 19, and now you got to figure out how do you help an individual who is, you know, just been involved in something that's chaotic, and how, how do you how do you teach a person to do that if they're not even developed, you know, as far as maturity and that empathy part is not part of their language um, yet. So it, it's, yeah, police reform is going to have to figure out how to how to teach folks about being veterans not veterans but that part that they're not getting anymore outside. can I can
1: I add a positive I'm not a positive yeah. but I, honestly I'm not a fan of Gen Zers because they always want to call me old they want me to do the freaking middle part not doing the middle part and they want to bring back hip hugger pants also not doing that like I'm you know, not a fan of Gen Zers I'm sorry Andrew sorry by proxy I guess I just came for you but But I will say, I think that this latest generation, from my perspective, has got to be one of the most inspirational and empathetic generations that we've seen to date, because they are the culmination of so much love, so much wisdom. And I also think a lot of pain and desire for people to want things to be different. But I do agree that there probably is some type of lack of social skills just because of... By virtue of the fact that not only have we had to be remote over the last two years, but these mm-hmm. kids have never known a, a a time where there's no cell phones, there's no text messaging, right. there's no right. Instagram, Facebook, Snapchat, like all of this, of course, is very new and things that we've never had to navigate as a society. But what I'm excited about is that they also had access to unlimited amounts of information, especially when their brains were informative years. Not so much like during. Or, you know, specific to research, but things that they're actually interested in. Um, so I'm hopeful that we're raising um, more kind individuals, and also kids that have the ability to dream to have different jobs, and not feel like they have to go one way or the other way to fit a specific role. And right now being a police officer is difficult. I I, I wouldn't have done it at 20. I wouldn't do it at 26 and I won't do it at 30 because I'm, I, I'm, my mind ain't no good. I don't need to to be out there doing that work, um, but I'm hopeful. Not? My mind ain't Why no good. Not? I'm trigger happy and I'm scary. Somebody would get shot on my watch. Um, mm-mm. I recently got a gun because um, I experienced a break in. I've mm-hmm. almost shot my cats up a couple times because they like to knock stuff down in the middle of the night. So I mm-hmm. figure, about not scary in my own house with cats. Going to the street ain't gonna work for me, because I'm gonna be headed to the jail house. Because um, I shot somebody. Long well, that's you that's what
3: that's what it would take uh, the veteran officer to kind of curtail and check that. Um, another honesty moment. Uh, there are some new officers that come in uh, that we can tell are a little jumpy uh, or a little scared. So we give them the opportunity to learn the job and to do the job the right way. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, if they are just not cutting it, then we will let the admin staff know. Uh, of course, there's mm-hmm. always documentation. Mm-hmm. Hey, this person is just not cut out to be the police. And then hopefully admin would do their part and uh, send them down the street. But that's not to say that they won't get to find a job somewhere else.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
3: And and you absolutely. know, and, and still still come in uh anyway. So
1: I try with people. Yeah, we I try,
3: do. we do our part.
1: I guess I just hope that like if you're a twenty year old and you know the climate of policing currently. That you probably, if if nothing else, maybe you're not um, the most steady person. Maybe you are jumpy. But I hope that these people at least have a heart for law enforcement because it is such a difficult time right now. And more so than, you know, hoping that we have just like equitable, um, I guess, like equitable, equitable opportunities for different types of people to enter the field of law enforcement I also hope that, you know, this money that we're using to train these folks isn't going to waste because as a taxpayer, I don't want to, you know, train somebody that's going to last a year and a half. Um, But that brings me to my next question. I know that every industry right now is experiencing shortages. How has that been impacting your, I guess, like your team of people? um, And what are the types of things that you guys are doing to mitigate that if there are any things that you're able to do?
3: Uh, there's always going to be, always going to be shortages. I say in law enforcement, uh, no one agency really is going to be fully staffed. I mean, depending on the size. So we have about fifty to fifty-three sworn here. Uh, our town is constantly growing.
1: That's so uh, really not a lot of people. Say it again. That's not a lot of people. It's they not uh,
3: Yeah. Wow. It's it's not, and it's it's based off of. Uh, population although when I got here in 2006, 2008 uh, we were projected to be 80, 90 man department by this time but we have yet to to grow to that point so obviously at some point we're going to have to get there Uh, we do active recruiting uh, but it it's going to take a, it really takes a special person to want to put this this badge and this uniform on to go out here and do the job
1: especially uh-huh. right now. couldn't pay me enough Mm-mm. <laughs> I, I, no I really couldn't do it like people are I mean people are nuts in general and something I think about mm-hmm. COVID, people being at home everybody is just more on edge about literally everything mm-hmm. so being a police officer in a climate where I don't want to say we're all anti-police but I think we are kind of calling a spade a spade at this point and figuring out how do we continue to navigate in the future while also being able right. to like keep ourselves safe and have like a regular, not regular, but a, a semi-functioning flow of government um, and, and uh-huh. order. I, th- there's no way, there's no way because people are mean as hell. I work in insurance and I get some of the meanest people, the meanest people. Thankfully I can like mute them. It's not face to face, but I, mm-hmm. in a way, it's somebody would either turn me in for being disrespectful Or I would just have to quit because I don't, I don't have the patience for it. And like you said, it takes a special type of heart to say, I'm going to do this and I'm going to be committed Mm -hmm. to serving my community every single day. I think that's why it's so easy to see the stark difference most of the time between officers that really do it because their heart is in it and they want to make a difference in their communities. And then those, you know, creeps Mm -hmm. that are all about, you know, being in power and wanting to assert dominance. Because it doesn't seem like there's a middle of the road, you know. Law enforcement isn't like I don't know, working as a barista or working in insurance, for instance. It's not a high risk job, but what you do every Mm -hmm. day—literally saying, "I can go out and lose my life today," and and I have to be okay with that.
3: Right. That's one thing that a lot of people don't understand. Uh, I can speak for this department because I've been here the longest. Uh, The men and women that serve this community. Uh, we're all on the same page as to, we want to put our best foot forward and be the best officer that we can be uh, to make sure that the job is done right and that people understand uh, and that nobody's disrespected. Now, are there going to be times to where it's it's just not going to happen? Sure. That's just being open, honest, and candid. You know what I'm saying? Uh, but at the end of the day, uh, we all are out here for the same common goal, and that's to serve our community, serve our community with respect uh, and to treat people as we want to be treated. Nobody wants to be disrespected on either side, you know, and that's that's just the way it is. People don't see that that way. Uh, as you said, in the, the climate that we're in, people are just the most along the lines of us against them, so to speak. Uh, but. We're doing all that we can to to try and see that for people to see that that's not what we want. That's not how we how we view things. But it's just it's going to take some time. It's going to take some effort. Uh, It's probably not going to be this decade, may not be the next. But I hope eventually uh, it can come back around and there will be that that line of respect to where people would see a police officer say uh, that's an upstanding man or woman that's wearing that uniform or that person there is doing the job right.
0: Yeah, I mean, I appreciate you guys talking about that, because that was one of the first things that we talked about. You now that when I do these workshops, I think, you know, the, the, the thing that I did about is my respect. And it's got to be respect on both sides of the coin. Um, you got to respect the fact that it, they're doing a job. You know what I'm saying? I mean, and while we might have signed up for law enforcement, it's actually, we voluntarily signed up for it. I mean, nobody forced our hands. I mean, even though I was looking for a check. But if people understand that, you know, Sergeant Ruffin and his team are doing a job, that you basically agreed to when you went down and got your license that you would not speed, you would not, you know, drive drunk, you know, so you get, your, you know, when you get caught your hand in the cookie jar, why are you mad? Yeah. You know what, why are you getting mad? And then you mm-hmm. know, for, for law enforcement, we're going to try to, should need to be as respectful to that human being as 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 they can and, and, and as allowed to be. Cause at some point I can't, you know, I think when I talk to some folks, I mean, I can't sit here and talk to you and ask you, you know, 47 times I don't know whether you guys remember the sorry the guy the military guy in Virginia that kept driving and yes. said that he yeah they asked him 47 times to get out of the vehicle and people got on so at, some point, at some point you may not like it but I'm gonna have to put my hands on you after 47 times I mean usually I'm gonna put my hands yeah. on you after three times but 47 times come on folks it's, you got to get out the car and people got to understand that because at some point I, I have to do my job because I can't be here with you. Yeah, I. <laughs> I just I just can't. And so as long as people can understand and respect what you do and then you respect that individual in that moment of their crisis, that's kind of the, the part. And that comes from, like you said, listening and comprehending before you respond to, in order to respond. I'm going to have to go back to
1: that one because I'm just loving that. I can't remember. It, but I love that
0: okay you're really really struggling
1: with that one bj i wonder i am
0: because i'm old that's all i I was about to say
1: (laughs) we're listening to respond versus to comprehend i'm just kidding
0: (laughs) I, your, your sugar's low because you need something to eat. I know. What's
1: look, good. I'm so look. I got <laughs> to like, how am I gonna make it through this podcast? I know, I know.
3: You have That's to so- make it through. Say it to the end. Say it to the end.
1: I don't have to because our faces are shown on this, and I know that if I were to turn my camera off, then that would just like ruin the entire vibe. So I'm I'm gonna stick it out, but I am starving. Oh, no, I know. I
3: know. Stay in the fight. Stay in the fight.
0: So, Sarge, I mean, just so we can kind of slide on to the end of this. So, you know, what kind of words of wisdom would you leave for folks that listen to us and and the hopes you have for law enforcement as we as we move forward and trudge through, you know, figuring out what is police reform going to be looking like um, as we as we move forward?
3: Hmm. I would say have the conversations. Uh, without the conversations, we don't have understanding. Uh, and it doesn't always have to be with someone that has a Black face. No. There are plenty, plenty of yeah. my yeah. counterparts that have the same thought process that I do. Uh, just because they're not Black doesn't mean that they do not understand. Uh, just because they're not a male doesn't mean that female officer doesn't understand. So at the end of the day, we all want the same common goal. And that's to serve our community, serve our community with pride and respect and to do, do the job the right way. And to ultimately weed out the ones that we feel don't need to do the job. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, yeah. And you know, and I'm. thank you for saying that because that also gives me the cue and that also rests on some of the community members too. Uh, the things that we talk about, file complaints. Uh, That's correct. Because, you know, we're we're not going to be everywhere all the time. So if you feel like that, that professionalism, or they didn't offer, no matter what you might think it is, if, if you don't think you received good customer service or good professional, you it's your right to file a complaint. I mean, I think I don't know what I've said it I got complained on this. The this guy, this white guy, stopped him and he complained on me because I didn't smile at him. So Color me if, shocked.
1: <laughs> that's the only complaint you got i'm just kidding i'm, just kidding. Um, I'm okay. sorry i told you i was hungry <laughs> i know right well what i'm saying
0: if somebody can com- complain about somebody not smiling and you have really gotten or been on the receiving end of somebody really being truly unprofessional to you then you need mm-hmm. to do that I, I i don't want you waiting until <clears throat> officer counsel shoots somebody now and then you go well you know bj I've always been a bad cop Go ahead and, right. and just, let's take, let's handle that at that moment. It doesn't mean they're going to get fired, but they're going to go, oh, okay. This is the community that pays attention to what we're doing and hold right. folks accountable and, and correct the behavior.
1: Keep I mean, if customer service people can do it, you know what I'm saying? If I can complain to your supervisor <clears throat> or yes. get somebody on the phone when I call AT&T, I would <laughs> hope that there's, I mean, I know you guys are understaffed, so there's not enough people to feel that all the time. <clears throat> But I would hope that, you know, that that would be a similar, I guess, like a similar structure, or I guess what I don't understand or what, not what I don't understand, I guess the issue that I've had in general, I think with policing is that everything is feedback is, is, is taught like it's some type of like dagger, or um, like it has to be negative, versus it could be a teachable moment where I work. Granted, I'm just talking about quitting. Um, we have this saying that feedback is a gift. It gives us the opportunity to be better. It gives us an opportunity to serve our community members better, or in this case, our customers. And also, it thankfully, I work at a job that if I'm doing this up consistently, it gives me the opportunity to progress, grow, and ultimately make more money. Um, I guess this is probably about to be off topic, but I'm so curious as far as recruitment um, and Clayton where are you guys starting people out as far as like introductory salaries?
3: So our salary has just gone up to, I think it's 45, Um, and that's for no experience whatsoever. And then of course, if you come in and you have experience then, uh, and you have a degree, uh, of course, salary is negotiable, uh, negotiable, but, um, to your point, to where uh, we were speaking about customer service, because BJ speaks about this uh, quite often. Uh, police work is all about customer service. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So when when she speaks of filing complaints, a lot of people think that, oh, I go and complain, but the officer's still working, so they didn't do anything to him. So mm-hmm. a lot of people have this misconception that because we are public servants, uh, if I go and complain, then they're automatically going to be fired because they work for me. But no, it does not work that way. Uh, we have things in place that any other job, or any other career field has. That's counseling, that's warnings, that's write-ups, that's suspension, and then ultimately termination. So just because you see an officer still working on the street after you've gone and filed a complaint, doesn't mean that the complaint was not investigated, doesn't mean that the complaint wasn't validated, and doesn't mean that that officer wasn't disciplined. Because uh, there are a lot of times where officers are disciplined behind the scene that people don't know about. But it's just like any other career field. We can't call the complainant back and say, well, yes, your complaint was valid, and we've done X, Y, Z to the officer, because then that's not right on the officer. And then he's got, you know, Grounds for 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 a lawsuit, so that's not what we that's not what we can do. But there are times where complaints are validated, uh, things are found sustainable, and then the officers ultimately punished for that complaint. And whether it be write up or counseling, and a write up can be just simple as he gets wrote up, and then that makes him or her ineligible for any type of lateral promotion, whether it be canine or traffic or investigations or SWAT or even a uh, supervisor for that matter. So it ultimately hurts them in the long run because it hurts them in the pockets. If gotcha. you can't move up, you don't make more money.
1: True, very true. Do you think that it would be helpful? Because I get what you're saying. Like, it's not like you can just go out and be like, hey, um, I know so-and-so did X, Y, and Z, and this is what happened. Do you think that there is a way to implement more of a, I guess, like a transparent, disciplinary um, what would you call it, like a disciplinary, uh, I don't know. Like a, a board? Yeah, yeah, kind of. Just so not like a citizens review board, because I think that that's definitely necessary. And I know mm-hmm. we have that in Durham, but I feel like we're missing kind of how it works. Like what are the different types of punishments that can happen? How do you get to that point? Um, well, go ahead. Let, me,
0: then let me answer that and, and let me, cause Durham, this is the way Durham does it. So BJ Council gets a complaint on her, notifies the person that we've got your complaint. And then if it is found to be validated, the word in popo world is sustained, I mean, basically means it's guilty, right? What Durham is doing and mm-hmm. has been doing for several years now, that they're going to send you, Harmony, that officer counsel, the, the complaint was sustained on officer counsel, meaning she was found guilty. That was my and next question. And then what they do is they list. What based on the particular complaint, what SARS just said, you know, either verbal reprimand, written reprimand, suspension, retrain, whatever. And they'll list all the things that could possibly have happened to BJ, right, to include termination. So basically, when you get the letter saying sustain, and and then you get all these things that says whatever I could have gotten, right, if you see me the next day, you know I didn't get terminated. But you know I got one of those. Right, so at least you know. Okay, BJ was either given a verbal reprimand, so you at least know that that doesn't that doesn't violate my personnel uh, privacy because you didn't didn't tell anything. But this way, at least they know it was sustained and based on whatever they, she got one of these. What you don't know is probably somebody at the top is waiting for one more because we need to terminate her. So that's why it's important for people to file complaints. Yeah, because you don't know that I'm probably sitting in my chair somewhere doing stuff and going, I could just get one more on BJ because she really do not belong here, but I need somebody to file a complaint. So that's the mm-hmm. closest that you're going to find that. And I I don't know whether other cities do that, but I think that's a good thing that Durham is, that's being as, as transparent as they can be without putting my personnel information out there. I can just tell you what she could get in this. She didn't get terminated if you saw it the next day. So, yeah. So that's
1: Absolutely. it. I think it's yeah, that's so that's important awesome. to that you guys are affirming, like, yes, this was sustained. Because for people to just hear that they're heard, a lot yeah. of times that's going to do 95% of what they want. is just to hear that yes, they yeah. were heard and that mm-hmm. they were found to be validated and what mm-hmm. their perception of the event was. Mm-hmm. I just still wonder if maybe there should be more transparency when it's things related to excessive use of force. Um because that's, that's where we keep coming up with this issue. You know what I mean? Like a lot of people aren't necessarily upset that police officers weren't really nice when they talked to them. Um, mm-hmm. They're more so upset about the fact that people are getting killed. Um, and yeah. if this person is having multiple complaints, especially if they're due to like excessive use of force, to me, and, and, and this is my perspective, and I'm not sure like what the legality would be, that is a public health risk that's a public health risk because ultimately as as a citizen I am depending on these public servants to I mean to the best of their ability ensure my safety and when we lack of we lack I guess transparency there there's a lack of accountability or there's a chance of a lack of accountability because we're also not including the people that were harmed in this interaction you know
0: Well, that's the conversation that's going on now because I need to kind of wrap this up. That's the conversation that's happening now as to how do we report excessive force? What does that look like? And also, you know, that's the part that, you know, the work that I do is I'm also, you might consider what I do excessive. Okay. And so people need to understand at some point, in order to get control of an individual, I've got to do X, Y, Z. Okay. And and whether you like I'm doing X, Y, Z, as long as I'm not, you know, you know, People got to realize sometimes you got to, it it may seem excessive to you. Okay. And, and, but as long as we don't cross that line, we're not killing or or hurt. We don't want to do that. So the conversation now is how are we transparent about that? How are we tracking excessive force within the agency? You know that this guy keeps using excessive force. We know it's excessive force and we track that. Okay, the bells and whistles go out internally and they track that and then they make that public. They're not going to tell you, BJ, what use excessive force 10 times in a year, but you can see a report. We had this many possible excessive force. So that's that's where they're moving forward. But again, I just think a lot of the stuff has to do with, we just need to know how to communicate like Sarge said. If I can communicate with you and I sit there and I talk to you an extra 10 minutes in order for me not to put my hands on you, then we're not going to have all these issues. Does that make sense? I mean, a little
1: bit anyway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It definitely okay. makes sense. And I'm glad okay. to hear that the conversation is pivoting towards being yeah. more even transparent. more transparent, it for is. sure.
3: And Harmony, I, I, will, I will say this uh, when it comes to uh, excessive force complaints. Uh, ultimately, when there's an excessive force complaint, Uh, What people don't realize is the officer then goes from the officer to then seemingly quote unquote suspect in the eyes of the police department because the police department is now doing an investigation on said officer. So the officer is afforded due process just like everybody else. Uh, And if you want the the investigation to be done right, uh, then we can not ultimately release body cam footage and dash cam footage and things of that nature because you want the investigation done right. And if the officer did cross the line, then they will be held accountable. Yeah.
1: Cool.
0: All right. That was a good conversation. I think we want to go on that one. Sarge. Thank you. I know <laughs> you took time to, to play with us and hang out. I know you're working. What time do you get off shift? Uh,
3: I was supposed to be midnight. Uh, uh-huh. But since I took an, I took an hour away from the town, uh, then I will give them the hour back and I'm going to stay on till one o'clock because, that's oh, just know. what I do.
1: Cause they would have ran me my money for this hour, <laughs> <laughs> and I have to be out at twelve o'clock sharp. And I know y'all don't. Do y'all get paid overtime?
3: We do. Some departments do. Some departments do comp time, but we do overtime here. But I won't get any overtime. I'm gonna do my do my time as I'm supposed to do. I'm yeah. supposed to do eight hours, so I'm gonna give the town their eight hours.
0: Well, so you guys got any closing remarks for Sarge? Thank you very much, Sergeant Ruffin. I'm looking forward to our relationship uh, moving forward. As far as you and Five O is concerned, I'm, look, I'm definitely looking forward to it.
3: Definitely. I, I, I enjoy this wholeheartedly.
0: Good. Thank you for saying yes. And for those of you that are listening, and I hope you got some information. If you're ever in Clayton, make sure you try to find Sergeant Ruffin. Look him up. Uh, he'll be glad to chat with you. And as always, stay well, stay safe,
3: and peace.
1: Always. Peace.